Surprise, surprise. We're going to talk about Shohei Otani. Once again, there was an article out about just how big the financial impact is of Otani starting with the Dodgers. And does that make his deal an overall bargain? And kind of the trickle-down theory from there, Otani's importance in the realm of Dodger history and Otani's importance financially of how the Dodgers are going to spend money this year and in the future. That's what's on tap. So let's get locked on Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network, Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. And if you want to become an everydayer, it's very easy. All you have to do is listen or watch to us every single day. We're here for you Monday through Friday for about 30 minutes. Easy way to be reminded of that is to subscribe wherever you have podcasts and on YouTube and be notified when our episodes are ready for you. If this is your first time listening or watching, welcome. And I am Vince Samperio, joined by my co-host, Jeff Snyder. And both of us are lifelong Dodger fans that have bled blue for our entire lives. We've been uh, able to be a part of that in a, in a bigger capacity in terms of being in the media, being in the press box, being in the locker room, talking to players, things of that nature. We're not quite insiders, though. We're just really passionate Dodger fans that are here to give you our thoughtful and passionate takes about the team. And uh, obviously, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk Shohei Otani. Jeff, is that a surprise? Uh, no, it seems like uh, he's kind of the top of conversation lately. So, uh, you know, we, we might as well talk about him. I guess there's a few things to say. Yeah, there's just obviously so much to get into when it comes to him. And uh, we got more of that from an article in the LA Times by Jack Harris, kind of talking about the financial implications of Otani's overall deal. And the headline is Billion Dollar Boon How Shohei Otani's Contract Could Make Dodgers MLB Financial Kings. Uh, if you want to go check it out, it is on LA Times. But basically, it goes down into breaking down Otani's contract with the deferrals with what he's going to bring in terms of advertisements and everything else. And essentially with all projections and everything that people have, and in terms of how the Dodgers could utilize any money, Otani could make the Dodgers a billion dollars over the course of his deal. And that's not counting the money they have to pay him out the 700 mil. So $1.7 billion, the Dodgers netting a billion of that, which obviously could go to spending on a lot of things, uh, you know, not just the team, but, other things uh, across the 10 years. So, yeah, Jeff, is, is this, you know, what do we make of this uh, Otani stuff? Yeah, it's uh, the fact is everybody's kind of guessing on how much Otani is going to make the Dodgers. But one of the points that somebody made is even just the fact that Dodgers ownership got rich enough to buy the Dodgers by being really good at investing. And so uh, deferred money going into their pockets is much more valuable than deferred money going into say my pocket, because, you know, I'm going to buy ding dongs. Uh, but, but uh, Guggenheim is going to invest it well. And 
even, you know, there, there was a little bit, I, I quibble with the math a little bit because one, I think it was an agent who said, even if they just invest that 680 million that they're saving, you know, they, they, that will make them a billion dollars. That'll more than double uh, in that time. They're not actually saving 680 million. That's the kind of the point that, uh, you know, they, they're saving more like 46 million a year. Although those numbers, which we'll probably talk about in a minute, it's actually in some ways less than that. But the, the fact is uh, deferred money to a group that has already gotten really, really rich being good at investing money uh, is absolutely a win for the Dodgers because, you know, w- w- if it's a normal person, uh, in fact, when we think about the baseball players, you need to defer the money. We talk about Bobby Bonilla and how, you know, for Bobby Bonilla, it's a, you know, a million bucks a year, you know, whatever for 40 years or whatever it is. The fact is if Bobby Bonilla had taken the 5.9 million that the Mets owed him 23 years ago and invested that he would be better off financially than getting the million dollars a year. But Bobby Bonilla is not Guggenheim group. Bobby Bonilla is not uh, presumably a master investor. And so for him, it makes sense to take the deferred money for a, a group like Guggenheim. It makes sense to defer that money because they can do a lot of really, really big financial things with that money while they're not paying it to Otani. Yeah. And, and that's what it comes down to. Obviously we'll talk about kind of the financial impact on the field a little bit later when we talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto, but you know, it just comes with the territory of there's a hundred percent of reason the Dodgers didn't have a Jersey patch yet. And I'm pretty sure it's because they were waiting to see if they got Otani and probably going to be able to get a bigger deal than they would have beforehand. You know, obviously we probably have the same sentiments about Jersey patches in general, but that's just the way the game is now. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers were going to get one eventually. And now it might be someone that uh, wants it because Shohei Otani is, you know, I don't, well, I guess I, I don't think it'll make the first batch of jerseys that have been sold or been selling, but eventually every Otani jersey will have that patch on there. Uh, or not all, every authentic one, not uh, every single jersey. But yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to there's a lot of different financial aspects in this article where it kind of breaks down. And obviously, the 700 mil has already been broken down into about 430, 450 mil, depending on who you ask, in terms of present day value. There was one calculation in there that brought it down to as low as 230 mil, depending on, you know, different ways of the Dodgers investing the money and everything else. And overall, this is kind of what we talked about when Otani signed here is that the 700 mil was the shock value number, but it didn't necessarily tell the whole story. And when it comes to Otani, like realistically, the Dodgers, you know, I think, what is it, two years after this deal starts, they're going to have to show that they have that money already in general. So uh, that they're going to be paying in the deferrals, or at least part of it, when they, that they're going to pay in the deferrals. And the Dodgers are going to make that probably this first year, put it in the bank or put it in an investment portfolio or whatever they do, the, you know, smart people with money. And it's just going to sit there and compound and compound and compound, assuming everything stays right in, in the financial world. And the Dodgers aren't going to have to worry about that 680 million in 10 years because it's going to be, you know, already maybe doubled up. Yeah. And, and when you look at one of the interesting things, you know, the, the present day value of the contract is based on a 4.43% interest rate, which is what's set in the CBA. And, uh, but the interesting thing is that doesn't start until the contract ends, which means they're basically getting 10 years of interest free. And so if you were to go out 20 years to when the Dodgers are done paying Otani and work backwards from that 68 million, 
the 2033 uh, salary of $44 million that that that's kind of what's been calculated about 40. The deferred money is about $44 million per year, but in 2024 dollars, it's actually only about 29, just under $30 million. And so if you, if you started calculating the interest immediately by my math in my Google sheet, it's about $365 million is the total value of the contract. If you go the other way and say, well, the the value that we're getting, we're only paying him $44 million a year. Uh, and then the, but the interest doesn't start accruing until 20, you know, 2033, 2034, uh, to get to that 68 million. Uh, that 2033 value by the time they're done paying it is actually worth about a hundred million. And so by that number, uh, on my other spreadsheet, the total value of the contract ends up being selecting cells, 832 million. So like it's all how you crunch the the money, the numbers. But the fact is, uh, like I said, a group like Guggenheim is uniquely equipped to, do really good things with this money. And even that two year head start that they don't have to start funding it for two years, that's $88 million that they don't have to put in the fund for two years. That 88 million could be 110 million two years from now with what they're doing. And so they've already almost paid for the third year just with that, you know, and, and everything is delayed by two years. And so it, that compounding interest, they're going to be they're going to be in really good shape. And then you get to the fact that, oh yeah, and Otani is going to make them a ton of money too. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of things that are going to impact the Dodgers. Mostly positively, you would imagine. Um, There was a, I don't think anyone brought this question up other than one person about the importance of Otani signing in Dodger history, but we'll talk about what that person had to say and if we agree with it or not. So that's what's coming up. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. There's a lot of games this weekend. You can put $5 down on one team that you think is going to win. You win that bet. You get $150 in bonus bets on FanDuel. It's great because you can put that $150 towards other bets that are beyond money line bets. Spreads, player props, over-unders, more you know, so-and-so is going to score a touchdown. So-and-so, these teams are going to score more than this many points in a game. Whatever the case is, FanDuel has you covered there with all the player spreads, props, over-unders, everything you could ask for right there with the app. So go check it out right now and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get your NFL season started on FanDuel. FanDuel, official sports, official partner of the NFL. We want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day. Remember to be coming every day or by listening or watching every day. And you can find us wherever you find podcasting on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Podcast Network also has 24-7 streaming channels for all sports and for LA sports. Locked On Sports Los Angeles and Locked On Sports Today are all available on YouTube streaming 24-7 with Local experts of Locked On, national shows, everything you could want covered for either L.A. sports or sports in general. Got you right there. So go check that out. All right, Jeff. So uh, Ben Verlander has been uh, a huge Otani fan. He got an exclusive with Otani either last year or 2022. 
and has had a rocky history with Dodger fans just from, you know, not defending the Astros, but kind of defending the Astros. Obviously, his brother is Justin Verlander, who was on those Astros teams. And, you know, hasn't been a, a great relationship. Now that Otani's here, he's, you know, made it clear that he's going to be at Dodger Stadium more and he's going to watch Otani and that he loves the deal and everything else. Uh, but he went kind of viral in, in the baseball Twitter sphere on two, or on Monday or Tuesday uh, with a take that he called this, he called Shohei Otani signing the most important signing in Dodger history and doubled down on it right after and uh, was, you know, proverbially dragged for the most part from not just Dodger fans, but baseball fans in general because of Jackie Robinson, you know, Jack Robinson broke color barrier was probably the most important signing, uh, not just in Dodger history, but one of the most important signings in baseball history. But I guess we can discuss that part of it um, and then kind of discuss, you know, maybe try to hedge his bet a little bit for him if we want. Yeah. My, my favorite uh, tweet about that was Harry Pavlidis. He said, solving the energy crisis by harnessing the power generated by branch Ricky spinning in his grave. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, if we wanted to give him benefit of the doubt, uh, you know, we could pretend that he threw the the phrase free agent in there and pretend that that refers only to since free agency became a thing, uh, which was long after Jackie Robinson, although, you know, Jackie Robinson was kind of a free agent signing. Although I think the Dodgers had to pay his Negro league team something for him. So it was more of a, a trade between leagues or, a, you know, purchase contract or something, but you know, ultimately he didn't say free agent. He said the most important signing, and he even distinguished between uh, important and impactful. And and so, uh, obviously, Jackie Robinson was an elite ball player, was a legitimate Hall of Famer, um, but not the best player in baseball history. And you could make a case that Shohei Otani is a better player than Jackie Robinson when you factor in all the things that Otani can do. But that's on the field. And Verlander made it clear that he was not just talking about on the field. He was talking about overall importance. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, even I think you can make a pretty strong case, even for the Dodgers beyond Jackie Robinson, like Fernando Valenzuela at the moment that Valenzuela was signed, maybe not. But he ended up being a crucial signing for the Dodgers, both on the field, you know, helping him win a World Series, but also you know, the entire, I, I bet, you know, close to half of our podcast audience is people who can trace their Dodger fandom in some way to Fernando Valenzuela. And, and so, you know, and, and obviously Otani is bringing in a ton of new fans and, and all that. And none of this is to downplay the importance of Otani at all. And when you talk about quality of player, uh, yeah, I mean, Otani, if he can, if he can keep doing both sides of the field like he has, he does have potential to go down as the best player in baseball history. And then, yeah, you say, well, on the field, sure, it's the biggest signing ever. Uh, but importance to the team, I I have a hard time. I, I don't see any way to put it at number one, and it might drop all the way down to number three. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely where it's at. The stuff that he goes on to say after – doesn't even really support the initial argument. Um, it just kind of kind of talks about Otani for the 2024 Dodgers, Otani for, you know, the Dodgers kind of moving forward, but doesn't really touch on any historical significance. So, you know, maybe he just worded it wrong or, or you know, 
you know, semantic, whatever it is. But, you know, when it's all said and done, some of the stuff he said, you know, Otani will now be known as a Dodger. When people look back on his career, that's, you know, true. If he goes, you know, assuming he everything goes right and he makes it into the Hall of Fame, he'll be wearing a Dodger hat. You know, that's true. Uh, people will want to go to Dodger Stadium just to watch Otani play. That's true. People in the future will want to go to Dodger Stadium because that's where Otani played. That's, you know, probably true. So, you know, yes, he, his signing will be very important, not just for now, not just for on the field, off the field, you know, kind of turning the Dodgers into a more global brand. They probably, you know, top three for sure, global brands in baseball, but maybe a little bit behind the Yankees. This could potentially down the line push them in front of the Yankees if, you know, even if, or especially if they sign Yamamoto on top of that or Roki Sasaki down the line, or if Otani helps recruit, you know, other players not just from Japan, but in general to the Dodgers, it, it could help out. They win world series. That's obviously going to help. So yeah, there, there's a big impact to be made here from Otani, but it's definitely not the most important signing of Dodger history. Not even like you said, with Valenzuela, not even the most important signing in Los Angeles Dodger history. Um, it might be, yeah, like you said, the most important, I guess not really the most, most important signing of the Guggenheim era uh, would make more sense than anything else. Yeah, I have to think there's some degree of self-importance going on here because Verlander does have this obsession with Otani, uh, and which is you know not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of people are obsessed with the Shohei Otani. He's very obsessible. Uh, but you know, uh, when your favorite player, the person you're obsessed with, does something big, you're naturally going to be inclined to think that it's even bigger than it is. Uh, and so, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, what's his, what's his first name? Ben. 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 Like, I, I, I just think of him as Justin's brother all the time. Um, ben Verlander is a talking head. His job is to say things that get people riled up. And so the fact that we've spent eight minutes on this podcast talking about it, uh, I think he's done his job. Uh, you know, and, and, and good for him, I guess, uh, you'll probably get to spend some quality time with him. If you guys are going to Dodger games together, although he'll just, you know, you may not walk in the same circles cause you won't be just trailing, ho holding, holding Shohei Otani's train behind him, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, he is what he is. And whether you're talking about Ben Verlander or Mad Dog Russo or, uh, Skip Bayless or what's that other guy's moron? Even What's that? Uh, I wouldn't Stephen A. Uh, no, I wasn't thinking of him. Uh, but Colin yeah, I mean, Colin Cowherd. Yeah, you know any of these guys, they're all doing the same thing. They are saying outrageous things to get people talking, and you know you never can tell how much they believe the things they're saying, and it probably ultimately doesn't matter much to them or their bosses. Uh, it gets people talking, and so uh, the fact is, the fact that Dodger fans got and baseball fans in general got to band together on something tonight. Hey. It's good, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so if we can all come together to say Ben Verlander's an idiot for a night, then, uh, you know, we're, we're all a little bit closer together. And I think that's what the Christmas season is really all about, calling yeah. Ben Verlander an idiot. Now we get back to actual Dodger on the field 2024 talk, Yoshinobi Yamamoto. There was more in that article kind of touching on the other financial impact that Otani's deal could have for the Dodgers. So we're going to get into what the Dodgers may be willing to spend on Yamamoto, if it's worth it, and what the contingency plan is if they don't. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers.
want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day. Become an everydayer by listening or watching every day. Tell your friends, tell your family, spread it out. Remember, we have a subtext uh, that you can join to text us and get in on conversations that go beyond the podcast. You can join us at joinsubtext.com slash Dodgers. And uh, there's going to be a lot of things coming down the pipeline for that. So you might want to get in now, uh, get in while the while the getting's going. So go check it out. And uh, also Locked On has Locked On Sports Today, Locked On Sports Los Angeles, two 24-7 streaming channels talking about all the news in L.A. sports and the big sports uh, here in America, I would imagine. So that's what's, what they're going to get into. We're going to get into Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We've talked about him a lot. This article that talked about uh, Otani's financial impact also mentioned that, quote, the team is also believed to be considering a bid of 250 to 300 million for Yamamoto. And it says a sign of its intention to compete for another free agent, attracting plenty of other big market suitors, such as the Mets and New York Yankees. It did kind of mention that this is something that they might have not done before. Uh, Jeff, do we think this is more of, you know, you know, well, there'll be caveats. I'm sure in your answer, more of for sure Otani's deal, or were the Dodgers gonna be like this regardless of Otani's deal? Uh, I, I think it's related to Otani's deal, but maybe not in the way you're asking. I think even without the deferred money, if the Dodgers are going all in and getting Otani, I, I think there's no reason not to go at, go hard after Yamamoto too, because you, you know, you're committing to win now and in the future and and Yamamoto like we've talked about 25 years old guys with his talent at 25 don't hit the free agent market very often and so uh like you throw in the fact that so much of Otani's money is deferred and yeah it's a no-brainer to go hard after Yamamoto but I think even if if not nearly as much was deferred they still would have been all in on Yamamoto because Otani signals our plan is to win the World Series every year for the foreseeable future, and Yamamoto definitely helps with that. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think it w- they would have gone after it. Um, I don't know if they even expected bidding. I, there's a lot of varying reports on what has actually been offered to Yamamoto. Um, you know, Jeff Passan said the other day that teams hadn't started bidding yet when there's already been $300 million being thrown around in other reports. Uh you kind of mentioned that the second meetings are where the actual bidding and negotiations will come from. But yeah, it it remains to be seen. You got to imagine, even if it's 300 million, that probably means it's a 10 year deal. I think that's still perfectly in the realm of what the Dodgers would be comfortable with. And now obviously they could bump it up to like 12 years and get the AAV down if they were comfortable doing that. Uh, That's something we haven't seen them do yet, but probably something that's also in the realm for them. Yeah. And, you know, and, and there's also, like we talked about before, does the 300 million include the posting fee, which doesn't count towards the luxury tax? You know, is that like the total thing? Cause if they did a 12 year, $264 million deal, that's 22 million a year luxury tax wise, uh, which is downright cheap, you know? Uh, and, you know, and that does push the total value right around that 300 million mark that we're hearing you know, I, I'd love to see because 25 years old, you know, it, he could actually be really good for nine of those 12 years. And I think they'd take that as a huge win. Obviously, it's scary to give any pitcher a deal that long because pitchers are famous for having arms explode. Uh, but 
you know, uh, it's at, at that AAV, it's even, you know, even if he did spend a year on the injured list, it's like, okay, it's 22 million bucks. That doesn't cripple us, you know? So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever he ends up signing with, we do see something long like that. Uh, Cause 10 years puts him at 35, which he's not going to get a big payout after that anyway, probably. And so he might be at that age where he's looking to do a, a 12 or 13 year deal. Yeah. So it's again, we got one report from somebody that hasn't really broken news before saying we might not get the Yamamoto deal or know about it until after Christmas. There's been people saying maybe this weekend. Uh, we definitely know we're going to know by January 4th. So at the very least, by January 4th, uh, all this stuff will be done and we'll know. But on that note, in in the paragraph following you know, the note about Yamamoto, it, it says if they do miss out on him, it's more likely they'll turn back to the trade market and look like Corbin Burns or Dylan Cease rather than a bigger time free agent such as Blake Snell, is this what you think they're going to do or what they should do? Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense because uh, you got Blake Snell and – Smell. I didn't do that on purpose, but I don't regret it. Uh, Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery, uh, and then it's a pretty steep drop-off, if I remember right, in the free agent market. Yeah, Imanaga uh, might be there, but again, he's – Yeah, and Imanaga is kind of a different category. Like, it's tough to tell um, – you know, and I know a lot of people would like any of those three guys, Snell or Montgomery or Imanaga, because they all throw left-handed. And we talked about that yesterday. Um, but the fact is Dylan Cease and Corbin Burns are both probably better options than, than those guys uh, for, for a handful of reasons. And I know Blake Snell's coming off of his second Cy Young award, but he's also, you know, up there in age uh, and, had some some underlying numbers that make you wonder how much of it last year was smoke and mirrors. Uh, and so, uh, you know, yeah, I, I do think that the, the fact that the White Sox pulled back on Dylan Cease trade talk until Yamamoto signs kind of tells you they're thinking that there's going to be teams pivoting to Cease when they don't get Yamamoto. And if the Dodgers didn't get Yamamoto, I think that's definitely their plan B is pivoting to Cease. I don't, you know, the Brewers have said they're not likely to, to trade Burns. Burns has said he's not likely to sign an extension if he does get traded. And so, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of different reasons that Dylan Cease makes sense. If they don't get Yamamoto, if they didn't get uh, Yamamoto or Cease, then it's hard to see what their next move would be. Assuming Burns doesn't get traded, you know, uh, Shane Bieber's name has been thrown out there, but he doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Yeah. Do you just go with a Lucas Giolito free agent signing and, you know, uh, more of an innings eater than a, than a number two starter or whatever? Uh, you know, it's hopefully it's not going to come up because I, I think they're going to get Yamamoto, but, uh, I, after C says plan B, I'm not sure what plan C or D would be. Yeah. And the, there's been a couple, you know, tweets, articles out there kind of talking about the Dodgers and, you know, the need for, Starting pitching is, you know, obviously they they need somebody to kind of sit either both ahead of Glasnow or after Glasnow. But the need comes more for innings a little bit, especially early on in the season. You know, Walker Buehler could be delayed. There's still Clayton Kirsch on his decision. And if he does come back, it'd be in the second half of the season. If Dustin May works his way back, it'd be second half of the season. Like there's a lot of talk about how the Dodgers could kind of have impact arms coming in the second half of the season. 
So they could enter the season, you know, maybe with less impact forms, get through that first part. And then by the trade deadline, we'll kind of decide, okay, are these guys actually going to come back or do we need to go? You know, if Caesar Burns aren't trade, they'll still be there at the deadline uh, in, in July. They'll still, you know, maybe some other names will emerge uh, at that point. But I think from what we know, the Dodgers are willing to spend the right money on the right people. And if that's not the case or, or the players, if it comes down to a trade, and if that's not the case, I think they won't play desperate you know, giving up too many guys for Caesar Burns or signing, you know, Snell or, or Jordan Montgomery to above average long-term deals. Yeah. And I think one thing we could be pretty sure of is that they are going to try to get as much starting pitching depth as possible because last year we saw when the bullpen wasn't overworked, it was elite. When it was overworked, it was terrible. And, and so, you know, we know Glasnow is probably going to be limited on innings one way or the other. And I think ideally they would like to do that by limiting his starts, giving him an extra day here and there rather than pulling him after four innings once in a while, because that is, unless you are piggybacking, which, you know, that that's another option, but uh, all that comes down to depth. You know, when you've got uh, Gavin Stone and Emmett Sheehan and, and Michael Grove and these guys, you know, if you do end up with eight, major league quality or close to it starters, you could do a six man rotation with two of the spots being piggybacks. Uh, then you're, you're at a five man bullpen at that point, you know, so there, there's things to weigh, but I think their goal or their overarching uh, thought here is we need to not overwork the bullpen next year uh, because that's, that's the key to a successful bullpen is giving them enough rest. And so I think they're, approach to starting pitching will be with the bullpen in mind. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen, we talked about Josh Hader a little bit the other day. I've seen Emmanuel Classe's name, not specifically linked to the Dodgers in terms of a rumor, but just kind of linked to them in terms of he would make sense with them. The Dodgers could go that route and build up the back end, but to me, it doesn't make as much sense for them as considering what they have right now on the roster. If they don't, if they do miss out on Yamamoto, they do miss out on Cease or Burns or whoever else, they do miss out on Snell Montgomery. I think it makes more sense for them to, yeah, get a guy like Giolito. We talked about Sean Manai briefly the other day, maybe someone like that and just try to piece together the innings until they can trade for somebody else or some of these other arms do end up coming back. Yeah, I think so. All right, Jeff, you got anything else for today? Uh, no, uh, hopefully we'll get some, some big Yamamoto news soon, but like we said, it could be, Another week or so, we'll be here whenever it happens, though. Yep, that's uh, that's once it does happen, we will be here for sure. Uh, for sure, when he signs with the Dodgers, if not, we'll still be here, but uh, just a little bit different capacity. So, thank y'all for listening. Thanks for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day. If we're not your first listen, you should check us out in your morning on your morning commute or when you're at the gym or whatever else. We're here for you 30 minutes every Monday through Friday. You can find us where we find podcasts and on YouTube. And if you become an everydayer, we will be eternally grateful for you. That's somebody that listens or watches every day. If it's, you know, four out of five days, we'll let you slide too. So uh, go check us out. Remember, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, that has two 24-7 streaming channels, Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, covering the biggest news and stories and everything coming out from LA sports and sports in general. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent's91. You can DM either of us for any questions, comments, topics, concerns, things of that nature. You can also send those via email, lockdowndodgers at gmail.com 
or via voicemail text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, tell your smart device play podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.